Okay, so my Khafrusa, Aaron Planks, is telling me that it's the um, yard side of the Ramak, so we'll look at his Torah and tie it in a little bit with something I saw this week in the Hemshechheim base on the Parsha. So the Ramak is saying, we have an example of a candle. That the eyes are gazing into the candle and they are drawing forth light from its from the candle, like in the same words the like Yeshavu is like the word from drawing forth, like like drawing water from a well. So the eyes are drawing forth light from the candle. And what is created are like threads of burning light that are sparking forth. Like you look at a candle sometimes, you'll see like little threads of light, like these little rays of light. Now, when I read it, I'm like, is he saying that the looking at the candle is actually making the threads? Because that's what it sounds like. Um, And it doesn't necessarily have to mean that, but then when you keep reading, you, you realize he's definitely saying that. Now listen, so to the spheros, so to the spherot, they are gazing into the light of Kesser, which is the quality of Ein Sof. They're gazing into the light of endless power, of endless ability. And we're learning earlier in the Hemshechayin base that the Rebbe Rashab is telling us that Kesser, which is will, Ratzon, has no particular shape, right? We just said that it's pure movement and attraction towards a specific project. We went over that a lot last year. Right? That will is just where you're tilting yourself into some project, but the raw will itself has, is not bounded by any shape at all. And we said the proof, of, the proof of that is that when somebody is, say, writing something down or recording something or, do it, or manifesting in anything in this world, so the thing that they create, like the memory they create or the picture they create or whatever they write or whatever impact they're having, the tzedakah they give, once they're done engaging in that activity, that thing is separate from them. The will is the present engagement in that activity. When they're actually pouring themselves into that activity, that's when will is activating. The will is then taking on all sorts of shapes according to the nature of that activity. I'm pouring my will into the activity of giving tzedakah. Right now, I'm pouring my will into the activity of learning. So right now, my will is present because I'm doing it right now. But as soon as I stop saying these words, and they're getting recorded into my phone, or they, and they're getting recorded into your brain, and, and it's causing, creating memories for you, I'm not there anymore. That is now beyond me. That is apart from me. So it's not essential to me. It's an effect I'm creating. But will ratzim is when I'm pouring myself into that activity at the exact present moment when I'm doing it, that's when Kesser is activated. And the point is that Kesser, all on its own, has no particular boundedness. It takes, it encloses itself in the, in the contours and in, in the boundaries and the particularities of whatever activity that it's currently engaging in, but it itself is boundless. Okay? And so we're saying here that the Sfirot is the concept of those eyes or those vessels which are peering at the quality of Kesser, at the quality of endless power, and they are drawing forth its light, and they're, they're looking at it and gazing at it and trying to receive from it is creating its shape. 
So think about like this. You have the, the one who needs to receive tzedakah. He needs to be the recipient. He needs to, he needs to receive tzedakah. That is like the spherot that is pulling on your quality of desire to do Hashem's will and formatting it to come out in the form of giving charity. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. It's the needs of the receiver which is formatting the shape of the giver's energy. And this is why the Zohar is saying that when God says, Nase adam that the Zohar is saying, let us make man. The Zohar is saying that this is the secret of the creation of the rich and the poor, or of the givers and the receivers. Because in order to reveal the image of the creator, so to speak, in order to reveal a tselem, a form, some type of, uh, of image in the world, you need givers and receivers. Because the pure energy of giver is just going to be limitless and it's gonna, it's not, you're, gonna, you're not going to see anything. It's the, the needs and the lacks of the receiver, which is malchus, the feminine quality, not women, but the feminine quality. No, seriously. You know, we all have malchus. Men and women both have malchus. The needs of the feminine quality... That is what's going to format the, the shape of the masculine quality to actually reveal Nase Adam, Selim Elohim. Okay? Lo Tov Heot Adam Levado, Eselo Ezer Konegdo. It's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper to oppose him. That man, the concept of, the, of, of Adam Elia and the concept of upper light, is alone. And has nowhere to express until you have the Ezer Konegdo, until you have the, the concept of the feminine energy, which is creating a, a op, op, uh, opposition and a temporary challenge to force him to, to, create, a, to create essentially a, a space of needing so that he won't be alone, so that his expression won't be alone. Because as long as he's contained within himself, perfectly content, his expression is, so to speak, alone. It's, so to speak, not revealing because he has nothing to give to. Once he has something to give to, once he has an Ezer Konegdo, his whole expression will come out of hiding. Okay? Okay. We notice him, the Bechinus Narachas, lo shiyeh keter mitzad atzmotikunin. Keser, einsof, endless power, from its own in its own realm, has no limitations, has no tikkunim. And we know that a tikkun is a limitation. Tikkun is always a limitation, period. That's what it means technically in Kabbalah. We talk about tikkun ha'olam, repairing the world. What we're really talking about is creating minimizations to minimize energy so that it can be useful for the world. I'm always talking about the example of you have the huge river, that we have to dam up the river to harness the energy to to get electricity into tiny little wires. That's how they get electricity. That's a tikkun. That's what tikkun means. So keser would be like the raging river, and you have to make tikkunim to harness the, the, the energy of the raging river. The raging river, you're looking at it, you're like, I don't see any little tiny currents of electricity and wires. It's just a huge, massive river. So from, from in its realm, forget it. It's just overpowering power. It's just endless power. It's a raging river. It's Ein Sof. But it's the need. It's, it's our need to light up our house with electricity, which is pulling out the electricity-producing power of the river. Right? It's the limited needs of the lower vessel which is pulling out those powers from the concept of the raging river of the Ein Sof. 
called the dark candle. So the candle itself is like kasser, it's just endless light, endless power, with no bounds, pure will, which has no shape, until something is needing it to um, craft itself and format itself and limit itself into a certain shape. Until something is needing it, it doesn't have to minimize itself. Understand? Mm -hmm. Okay. Umilas Cardenuta Romumus. This is really amazing. It was really, my eyes opened wide when I saw this. The darkness of the candle is that it doesn't darken. It just moves up and away. Like the, like the Basi Lagani is always saying that the Shekhinah is moving up and away from the world. It doesn't mean that the Tsimsum is some type of big darkness place on the light. It just means that the light is moving away from these vessels that it could give to. But it itself is, is retaining its ultimate brightness. Mm-hmm. It's a sensation, it's an experience of the light of Kasser distancing itself from those vessels that would need to receive back from it. And the deep thing to understand is that those vessels, those needy vessels which need and which are therefore actually creating minimizations to express all the particular powers of the, of the light of Kasser, once Kesser is, is moving itself away from those potential vessels within itself, then those vessels can come out and, 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 and be experienced on their own terms. And then they, it's, they themselves are assisting the Kesser light to also express its particular qualities that now all of a sudden it's not just the expression of a raging river, but it's ultimately the expression of electricity that is channeled into tiny little wires. Okay. So, but this really, really goes by the Chabad Chita of what the Simsum is, which is that the Simsum is just the experience of the light moving away from certain vessels, but it didn't actually go anywhere. As we're going, I'm going to look. I'm going to show you something right now in Hemshechayim Beis. Okay. Fine. So now we're looking just for a second in the Hemshechayim Beis in chapter 154. And it's on Parsha's Pinchas. Now he says, so listen how perfectly this stems with what the Ramach just said. How did Hashem make a world of Yesh that it feels itself to be you know, I am, a, I am a soul and a body and here's this world and it feels like all these separate items and it doesn't just feel like the light of Ein Sof is overwhelming. As we are learning in the Shar Yichud Ve'amunah from the Balatanya that he says everything is really still like the rays of the sun inside of the sun. The fact is that the big ball of the sun, which is like being compared to Ein Sof, is right here, right now. So he says, why don't we feel it? The fact is that we are actually still completely nullified within our source. So why don't we feel it? And he says it's a sensation. It's a sensation that it feels like the big great ma'or, the great big luminary is 
moving away from us. But it's not, it actually hasn't, as he's about to say. So the, the Ayin base is now going to basically be saying the same thing as the Tanya says in Shar Yechud B'Amuna. Shehu b'chines hitgalos ha'atzmus. Shehitgali kolach ha'gavul, dekolach ha'bilti gavul, yasu b'chines gili ha'atzmus, hayakodim ha'timsum b'chines hitgabras ha'kolach ha'gavul. That the power that Hashem has basically two powers of expression within his Ein Sof. Within the Ein Sof power, there's the potentiality of expressing limitlessness, which is the essence, the essential revelation of Ein Sof light. But there's also contained within the uh, revelation of Ein Sof light the possibility of expressing limited experiences, and that's what we're experiencing right now. Everything, okay? But it's just that before that Simsum. Now listen very carefully. This is the Chabad Shita, and that's the one I feel that is correct. And there's apparently a big argument, even though some people say they really aren't arguing. The only thing is, is that bef- what happened, what's, what is the difference before and after the Tzimtzum? The only difference is that Tzimtzum is removing the overpowering nature of the expression of a limitless light so that you can actually feel and experience that potential expression of limited light, which was also contained within the limit, within the light of Ein Sof, it's just it was being overpowered, or you might say dissolved, or overwhelmed by the presence of the expression of a limitless light. But that Simpson was the rolling back and the blocking of the limitless light from the experience of limited light, so that the experience of limited light could actually be felt, even though it was always there. Right? So this moment right here was always something within the Ein Sof. It's just we couldn't have experienced it within the Ein Sof because the overwhelming quality of the limitlessness of the light of Ein Sof was washing away and overwhelming this experience and every experience you ever had and every experience that ever was had or ever will be had was always contained within eternal limitless light. It's just that the limitlessness and the eternal nature of it was hiding and, and dissolving into oblivion this or that experience. And that Simpson was just the rolling back of the, of the experience, of, of, the, of the sensation of limitlessness <coughs> from all these different experiences so that, they could, so that they could be felt in their own right. Kind of the image of when Hashem rolls back the ocean to make the dry land appear. The dry land was always being covered by the ocean. It just, you couldn't experience it. When the, when, the, when the waters roll back, it's not necessarily that they minimize in any way. They're just, they're just vis-a-vis the dry land, not overwhelming it anymore. But they themselves don't change. Mm-hmm. It's not the best analogy, but whatever, it's similar. Okay, fine. A little bit more, clean matter. Even though there is still nothing that's actually outside of Ein Sof light, it's still completely here, just like it was before the Tzimtzum. Do you understand what he just said? There was a Tzimtzum, but there really wasn't a Tzimtzum. From his perspective, he's completely present in every space just as he was before the Tzimtzum. So what was the Simpson? That Simpson was a Simpson in experience. That Simpson was a Simpson in the perceiver's experience. The perceiver got, a, got, a, got an experience of Simpson. The vessels of perception, those spherot, those eyes looking at the candle, to them there's the experience of the candle moving away, which is the darkness of the Simpson. It's an experience. Okay? 
And that experience of the candle moving away is then revealing those spherot, which are those eyes, so to speak, those vessels which that are needing to see again, which are needing to get life again. All those shapes of, of the recipient are now coming t- into to experience, to be actually experienced when they're having the sensation and the experience of their light moving away. And then when they get back together, they're not getting back together completely. Rather, what's happening is that they're looking at what they used to be included in from a distance. And then they're looking back to what they used to be included in in a distance. They're pulling out particular experiences from that infinite light. It's just that there's, we, we can't receive all of it at the same time. Right. So we've got moments and moments. Yeah. Right, but the, the Chedosh here is like, you know, Lagabe Hashem, compared to Hashem, we're all like needing charity, right? We're completely, completely poor. Hashem every second is giving us the gift of existence for absolutely nothing that we did to deserve it. So we are like extremely poor, Right? King David says, I am poor and destitute. And we all have to say that because Hashem is the one giving us every second a free handout of life and existence. So our whole expression and our, our whole experience of all of a sudden I'm manifested as this extremely poor being, which has nothing. And it's every second say, Hashem, can you please give me another moment of existence? So that was an experience which was always possible with an endless light. But when endless light was just washing over that experience, which is called our lives, you couldn't experience it because we were just getting it. We were getting everything at once. And the Zohar is saying in deep places, like the souls from within that situation were saying, it's called the Nahama de Kusufa. It's called we were embarrassed. Like we felt everything, we were getting everything, but we hadn't actually done anything to deserve it. And so that from within the, from within the Creator, we were saying, hey, can you let us experience what would our own individuality? And so now he's, okay, so he, then he rolls back his light from our experience, like the candle moving away, and now we can receive from that candle and get from that candle according to our own efforts. And our efforts and our will is what's then creating the shape of how that candle is coming to us. So just a few more words. That the verse is saying, I fill the heavens and the earth. And that is really saying that Ein Sof is completely, completely saturating heavens and earth just like before. So how do you even have heavens and earth? <coughs> if he's really just saturating it as before. The difference between before and after the Simpson is the difference between hiddenness and revelation. The, the, the Chiddush of the Tzimtzum is that the ever-present quality of endless light now feels hidden to us in our consciousness. But from his perspective, he's completely present as he was before in all those places, everywhere. And so you see automatically that the worlds don't really have intrinsic existence, ultimately, in, in, independent of Ein Sof. The experience of worlds is an experience created to, to many, many degrees of 
uh, of basically spectrums of, of aims of revealing and hiding from us. Like we talk about lighting up the darkness. The darkness is like the body. Like anything that feels like separate from Ain Sof is a, is a system, is, is, is a certain ingredient of consciousness to degrees of feeling separate from, from Ain Sof. Okay? Listen, the Tsimsum doesn't touch those vessels. What the Tsimsum does is that those vessels you and me in this moment and everything, we're always there, dissolved within the oblivion of Ein Sof. And the Tsimsum simply just removes the endless light from those vessels which were always potential within Ein Sof light so they should come out and be experienced. All the worlds and all the creations, the endless light is still shining into them, and it's as if they have no real intrinsic existence. Even though the creations have no real intrinsic existence, yet they feel themselves, they experience that they're in existence. The Metzius Yesh. Listen, listen to the line he just said. The existence and the reality of separate creations is all according to how that it's, it's a sensation. It's an experience. Your, your, your sensation of being a body is just that. It's a sensation. Your sensation is this is a table. This is a bag. These are all these objects. Those are sensations. Those are sensations of to what extent is the creator hiding himself in a certain shape from your experience. And to what extent is he revealing? And to the degree that we're meditating on how everything is actually an expression of the Creator, <coughs> to that extent, the, the hiddenness itself is turning into light. All of a sudden, this isn't something which is hiding Hashem, this is something which is revealing a power of Hashem. Mm-hmm. Wow, I see that the Creator has this power to express himself as a bunch of keys on my keychain. And all of a sudden, when you're thinking about that, just in a simple way, all of a sudden this moves from being a, a dream-like experience of hiddenness to what it really is, which is always a power that the Creator was always expressing, but now you're encountering it, and you're not being overwhelmed by all the light at one time. So the, the knowingness um, is applicable to us because now we can... Um, now we can sort of know Hashem better in smaller ways. Yeah, all the way. Yeah. And how can you say differently than than what what's the what's the other way to see it? I don't know. I'll just say what the Ramak said and what the Rabbi Rashab said again, which is that within Ain Sof, within Kasser, <coughs> there isn't actually any. In a sense, according to its to its true nature, it's just infinite power. 
but is that the revelation of these vessels which feel and experience like they're not there anymore. They feel separated from their source. So that's creating the contours of their whole experience. Like the spherot in this sense are being expressed as all these vessels which need to get filled back in. All these vessels that need of, ex- of possible experience which need to get the light of experience back into them. And that's what's creating your, your life. And again, like this is a point, I'll just, I'll just finish it up here. Like this is a point that is really grabbing me uh, is this image of Malchut, this image of the Svirot, of all the vessels as creating this system of this whole, again, like you're looking at a, a tiny infant and this infant is got a code of how it needs to grow. It's got like a whole map of like who he is and like, okay, at this age and stage, it's going to need to learn this things and grow this many inches. And that's all being like encoded in the space of what he is not yet. Like he's like, the, there's like this whole map in his DNA. Like there's this whole map of everything he needs to receive to grow and thrive in society for his body to grow. Those are the sphere of and the thing that's pouring back into those containers, those vessels, that map of what he needs and what he doesn't have, that map itself, his, of everything he doesn't have but will need to have, that's formatting the light of his soul and the light of ultimately Hashem that's pouring back into him, giving it the shape of how it's, oh, contributing in, in, in this day and in, in, in month that he'll grow this many inches in this part, you know, in his hand. And that in, when he's 20, he'll, he'll get these mental skills. The needs of what he doesn't have, of where he needs to grow, is actually formatting the nature of what's pouring back into him at different stages in his life. But the truth is that from this perspective of the creator, he's already completely, completely grown. He's already completely already who he is. You're just experiencing reconnecting with yourself. You're just experiencing reconnecting with your portion of being self light. It's an experience. The Ram Klaus is saying it's a dream. He says it's like a dream. Mm-hmm. Also the Ram Khal. Oh. Yeah, I'm saying also the Ram Khal. Alright, have a great day. Twenty-six minutes. Pretty cool, because that's shame Havaya. <laughs>